No. <laughs> okay. Wait, what the? F <laughs> what are we talking about again? Wait. Pass not, the guac. You're not recording this, are you? Yes, I'm recording this shit. Right, well, it's just no, back no, and forth no, thing. So the topic today is going to be um, millennials. You guys, pass the guac. Yeah, pass the guac. Millennials pass in the guacamole. Hey, <laughs> passing the guac. Wait, when did guac become like the universal symbol for fucking millennials <laughs> or like wealthy people? Is it because avocados cost a lot of money? Yeah, that's pretty much that's it. That's a good question. Or I wonder if it actually came into existence the same time cheddar became the euphemism for money. Right? Oh, oh, that just I didn't blew think my that. mind right now. Cheddar and guac? I don't know. And Chelsea's right. I, I'm... Damn. That really blew my mind. Okay, whatever. Uh, hello, what's up, muggles? It's your boy V and Demo motherfucking Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we got Demo Joe, GOP Joe, oh, no, no. Keeping It Real Steel Joe, <laughs> Indiana Steel Joe, uh, Joe who owns the garage. I also found out that Joe owns a pizza place. Wait, what? You don't own Joe's Pizza? No, no, that's a different Joe. He's not as nice as me. Well, we're just going to say you own Joe's Pizza. <laughs> Joe's Pizza, <laughs> shout out. And Asmar, Chris Asmar, Chris Acapella singing Asmar is hanging out with us in this amazing glass room of echoes and reverb. Shout out to that. Uh, and then we have a special guest. How Yo. special do you ask? Special like rubies <laughs> and diamond special. <laughs> we got Chelsea, Killer C, Chelsea Smooth. Uh, yeah. Hi, Chelsea. How about vitamin C. Vitamin oh. C. Because I'm always nutritious. Vitamins. I like when um, I think it's British here or for like food for thought. Australian people say vitamins. Vitamins. Vitamin C, that's what I am. Hola, everyone. You know what else is annoying? The phrase millennials or the term, because people just throw that shit out now. Like, oh, you millennials. Like, okay. What is it? Cool. I didn't decide to be born in this time frame. Thanks. But everything's a millennial issue now because we're pretty much screwed with all the things we have to solve, like climate change. Iran. Oh wait, Joe, do it in your fox voice. Say Iran in your fox voice. Iran. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And now what seems to be more than a US issue, like a global issue, housing is a problem. People don't have anywhere to live. Oh wait, no, correction. People can't afford to live in most places. Because there seems like there is maybe enough housing, but it's like $10 million a day to live there. And seeing that we are the millennial generation and we're fucked. What y'all think? 
I always thought it was funny how every generation is always going to disparage the one that came before it, right? Like, we've been through this. We'll be through it again. We'll be trashing the next generation when we get old. That's just what it's like. Um, but I will say there are some distinct differences with our housing issues compared to other generations as millennials. Okay, what's one of the distinct issues? I mean, for me, just to put in perspective, um, in order to afford a, a home and a actual growing thriving economy i have to move mostly to a city if i stuck around in indiana i wouldn't really have much of a future but i'd actually be able to get affordable housing so i'm kind of stuck either i live in a place where i don't have a future but i have cheap housing or i move to a city take a risk get a good job if i can um, but have to you know pay exponentially more in rent than my parents do on a mortgage which is kind of insane yeah and then also like if you think about what the millennials had to face, similar to the baby boomer generation, we actually faced an economic crisis in 2008 that basically wiped out any perspective opportunities for us to accumulate wealth within, a, within the decade. And then now, for especially for folks in California, um, to they just do not earn enough or have enough saved up to actually um, rent a space that is close near their where they work or um, able to like purchase a home in their in their state or where they're from. So I think we do get a lot of flack as millennials, but I think that we definitely um, should get our, our um, earned respect because we actually are facing a lot of um, a lot of terminal. <clears throat> A lot of, uh, a lot of um, big ass issues. Big ass issues, and, we need to, <laughs> and we're working it. We're working it out though too. I feel like we're actually are being pulling up our bootstraps or trying to go out and, and solve some of these major issues that are being that are being caused. But I'm tired of getting a flack of being millennial. What about you guys? Okay, I'm the worst person to ask. Also, Mama, I know you don't like it when I be cursing, but I'm gonna still be cursing right now. So fuck old people. I'm saying that right now because they mean as shit, and they pretty much fucked me. So <laughs> I'm like, yo, like, what? Okay, what have you old people done? That a lot. What? I'm gonna say it right here, right now. Old people don't give a damn about us. Like George Bush don't like black people. Old people don't give a damn about young people. I'm sorry, I'm being rude. Anyhow, okay, how do you how do you fix it then? Because if you don't make an app, uh, you don't program or code, uh, you don't do anything stupid on the internet, you're not seemingly making money, or at least like a livable wage, which is something that's like, okay, cool. Old folks, or older folks, it's this thing where you hear a lot of the like, oh, uh, the participation generation, and you need help for everything, and... Uh, Kids are living with their parents until their mid-30s. Yes, because the options that many people have don't seem to be that level or there just don't seem to be that many options to when you think about people having to, like, on their platform running for Senate or whatever it might be, we want to raise the minimum wage to $15. Like, the fuck? 15 bucks? You can work full-time, and that probably your rent is still going to take up more than half of your paycheck. So it's like, why not make the minimum wage 22 bucks or some shit like that? But you hear a lot of the, oh, back in my day, those types of things. And it's like, that doesn't apply to today. Like, it just does not apply to today. When you see 
San Francisco, there was an article, I can't remember where it was, I saw it all over the internet. The internet is a thing for those who might not know what that is. It connects people to other people. So don't worry about it, it's here. But anyhow, they made the internet on the article, or the article was on the internet, and it said if you make 117000 or less in San Francisco, you're living at or below the poverty line. Like 117,000 bucks and you're fucking poor? It's crazy. That's insane. That shit's evil. Like that, that, there's no reason for that. And you look at, what is, what's the acronym? Chelsea, I think you said it too. The not, not in my backyard. NIMBYs. NIMBYs, yes. You look at how a huge portion of today, or just, I guess you can say the quote unquote American dream is owning a home and has that seen as this way to accumulate wealth weirdly. When to me, it's like buying a home is an, like, it's an investment that doesn't mean you're going to make money off of it because we have recessions and housing market bubbles. So there's this weird thing to where that's seen as like the only way for someone to make money as opposed to, I guess, creating something, yada, yada, yada. But there's never an account to renting and how renting's looked down upon in this country generally. Like, oh, you're renting? Like, why don't you put that towards a house? Because a house is a shit ton of stuff to deal with. Like, I know homeowners. You gotta deal with all the maintenance with everything. Uh, taxes property taxes, like this huge tax reform that we just had to where seemingly no one really knows how that's going to affect people, especially homeowners. So that's why I say old people don't give a fuck because (laughs) they voting for shit that is directly impacting themselves and the generation, us and others after them. And there's no real plan or there's no real like this is how you can benefit from you like when the irs makes statements like we don't really know how the new tax code is going to the new tax reform is going to impact people that's scary as shit because they are the number one source of revenue for the country like well like three trillion dollars i think i last saw so that's why it's like this really scary situation to me because there seems to not be really much that's like attempting to address it or address it in the manner in which I think it needs to be, because it's just so gigantic. Well, for me, I think the main problem is supply and demand. When you're talking about $117,000 in SF being the minimum amount of money you need to be able to afford like a basic standard of living, the big issue there, connecting the dots with NIMBYs, is just how difficult it is to build new housing developments, um, especially in the state of California, especially when you've got entire parts of the local community who just want to make sure that their investment, their single family home, continues to be worth what it's worth and they don't want multi-family units being put next to it. So I understand where they're coming from. I disagree with them, but I understand they're trying to protect the one thing they were told to put all of their money in because that's what being an adult in America meant, right? Um, so I, I don't I don't agree with the assessment of fuck the old people um, because, you know, if you're going to fix this issue, you need them on your side or you at least need to convince them that it's OK to let a neighborhood change um, and have them be a part of that change. If you can and if you can't, you might need to really, you know, try to try to work things out with them and respect some of their needs. Um, I mean, the other thing I'll note too, Cam, 
It's like what I said before. When we get old, we're going to be bashing the crap out of whatever the next generation's called. I think it's Generation Z. I forget. What, when um, we finish the alphabet? I think, yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to, uh, yeah, something, something. I forget what they're called. They're not really old enough yet to get their own name. But it's inevitable that 70-year-old Cam and Joe here will still Hell be no. complaining about the next generation. Nope. That's see, just being human. This see, again, the, but I'm not a human. I'm a wizard. <laughs> like that's the whole point like your boy v is look it i keep telling people when i do some like weird wild shit it's lord v coming out he just come out sometimes i don't know when it's like the hulk and bruce banner i've told y'all this before it's not when i'm angry it just happens it's like muggles start doing stupid shit and then you say shit like fuck old people and then v pop back in like nah old people not that bad but it's hard. It's a struggle. But I, I do my best to think that, like, I wouldn't be like that only because of how much I fucking can't stand how most conversations with someone who is older or of the previous generation, that's so much of, like, their way of orient, orienting around a conversation. Yeah, I think I think there's a couple approaches. I don't think there's one way to really address housing, the housing crisis or um, the lack of housing for millennials. I think that um, having a high enough wage is, can definitely address a problem. I think supply demand is also, more supply in the market can also address it. I think it's comprehensive. I don't believe that there are enough people looking at it as a holistic, um, so a holistic solution to address a holistic problem because there's a d different number of ways why there's um, lack of housing on the market, why people aren't earning enough to actually um, to rent the um, apartments that are on the market yeah. or to purchase homes that are on the market. I think that um, there's a lack of um, of zoning laws, and especially in California, oh, in terms horrible. of where to place new um, new housing uh, or new yeah new houses on the market, and then of course there's people in the community who are also pre preventing these projects from happening. So I'm just looking for someone who can like take a 1,000 foot view and look at the particular problem and provide a really comprehensive solution. That's what I'm like more interested in like learning about or and hearing about. I think the wage thing is the most interesting to me because I don't think it necessarily solves like a majority of it. It might, but I think that's just a huge thing just because you that's that's like the first thing you need maybe because like looking at downtown LA, I was just randomly walking around and then I just started thinking about the episode and like, oh, I know we'll be talking about this. And I went into one of the buildings, and I just asked them, like, what a studio costs. And they were like, $2,500. And I did everything in my power not to, like, make a face or be like, what the fuck? Like, are you serious right now? Like, I'm in downtown LA. Yes, it's getting better. It still smells like piss. Like, Wait, $2,500? Yeah, this for a studio. For a studio? Yeah, I'm like, I don't, like, what? Oh, my God. And oh. I didn't even, like, ask to see it because I was just like, I already know this is going to upset me. Like, this is just already going to be horrible. So that's where I think my first step is to look at just the income people are able to generate just from their job. Because it breaks my heart to, like, read studies about today, I think it was upwards, like, 63% of someone's uh, paycheck goes to rent. Yeah. I'm like, damn, you can't, you can't, like, you're working just to 
pay rent. Like you, you can't actually do anything else. Or you can, you can probably do some stuff. Not saying that like you gotta be like balling out every weekend, but that that sucks to where you're making this conscious decision like every paycheck to know like I can't do some fun shit <laughs> because if I do that, I'm not gonna be able to pay rent. And it just seems that that's like a good starting point because I also just think just it getting people out of poverty is a huge thing, especially just looking at, okay, someone making damn near 125 grand is considered in poverty. Like that's scary as shit to me. I'm I'm curious. So what do you guys think about rent control? Because you know, that's currently on the ballot in California um, to repeal the Casa Hawkins Act. So Mm -hmm. to allow like local municipalities to actually um, pass rent control laws in their cities. How do you guys feel about that? But then it seems like you would get a bottleneck, like you you get rent control and then the people who could like still afford whatever the like limit is or whatnot, they all get a place. But then there's still a shit ton of people. And I think that's where what Joe is saying, just like supply comes into play. Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited for it because I think that it provides some type of stopgap, especially for those uh, middle income families. So I know like for in Inglewood, for example, they do not have rent control and rent was increasing like 20 percent every year. Holy shit. Can you imagine? So it's like 200, 300 dollars increasing on you, like especially as you just stated, wages are not increasing that quickly. So it makes it that much more unattainable to actually have a roof over your head. So I feel like it's not I don't think it's like the ultimate solution, Mm -hmm. right? Like that I think it's part of the holistic solution yeah. to addressing housing. Like a, like a short-term solution. Something in the meantime, yeah, like, right? Um, I mean, for me, the way I view it is I keep going back to supply because if you just have more housing, you're going to be able to provide more rent-controlled units. You're going to be able to mm-hmm. provide housing at a lower cost. And I always look at, from the real estate developer point of view, what can I do to incentivize a developer um, to make money off of building affordable housing? And when you look at the zoning code, especially in California, um, you know, zoning code at its surface sounds pretty boring, but for the millennial generation, it's this invisible framework of rules and laws that govern everything from where I can buy this beer that I'm drinking to where I can go out to eat to where I can work. I love it because I, I like fucking playing city skylines. <laughs> exactly, right? Zoning is incredibly important. It's a local issue that only a few people tend to be in touch with, mm-hmm. like NIMBYs, right? The people who are really invested in their community. They've already been able to afford a pretty nice home, and they're probably retired. Uh, and they can show up to these Wednesday night meetings yeah. and petition their city council or their neighborhood advisory committee or whatever the hell it is in some random, like, you know, police station or union town hall. Yeah, if you're doing it in a police station, I ain't going. <laughs> Just um, not happening. But it depends on where your local government holds those things. Right. And, and you can have five people show up in that room and have a great sway over portions of the community and where it's going. And that's where a lot of affordable housing or at least more density in a neighborhood gets killed and shot down um, because local politicians don't want to risk sticking their neck out uh, when they have a group of more established residents that own single-family homes and who consistently vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I pushed back initially with Cam about you know the, the whole fuck the old people line because guess what? The old folks vote, and they vote more than we do. Um, I told you I was Laura V. That wasn't me. <laughs> so you got to figure out a solution that, again, to Chelsea's point, is holistic and takes into account all the different types of people who are impacted by this issue. Because it isn't just millennials either. No, it's, it's reaching a point everyone. where it's becoming multi generational. Even when you look at, say, bankruptcy rates for generations, 
if you really want to take a, into account this issue, look at the percentage of people declaring bankruptcy, average people, not like super rich folks trying to evade taxes, but average Joes, average Janes who are saying, hey. Average Joes, <laughs> but our Joes not average. <laughs> who are saying, hey, look, I can't, I can't make payments. I have to default. And that rate is already increasing for the baby boomer generation. Um, it's already exponentially going up because you're seeing a collapse of the um, social welfare like network of, of services that help them. Um, so if it's already getting worse for them, can you imagine what's going to happen to us as millennials? Especially when we're getting hit with this issue now and it's preventing us from saving and investing. If you save $300 a month right now starting at you know, mid-20s, uh, you are going to make so much wealth for yourself because compounding interest is going to be yeah. on your side. And every time rent goes up, when you said 20% and you said $200 increase, that really hurts me because I know that's crippling that person's entire future. They can't invest. They can't build wealth. They can't have kids later on like they want to or they can't own a home. All those things get shut off because of what happens in your 20s and 30s. And that's why this issue is so important. Would you so would you you're saying you would start at supply first? I would start at supply. I think like real estate developers are typically seen as like the villain here, which makes no sense to me. I can't understand for a country, a good old America, and entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit, capitalism, baby, like woo, fuck socialism, and then you have someone who's doing that. It's like, oh no, I don't want to do that for you. Like, wait, why? Like, what's the problem? Oh, because you're this big company or whatnot. Like, uh, you buy iPhones, right? Like, you buy TVs. So, what, like, I'm actually giving you something that, like, fucking you can sleep in or whatnot. Like, you probably get more use out of than any of the other stuff that you might spend money on. So, that's a thing that I would love to know the psychology behind. Like, what's wrong with a real estate developer? Like, especially if they're not, like, dumping chemicals or using like cheap ass products or something like that like if they're actually doing a quality service or whatnot like what's the issue with a big developer coming in and providing something that is needed and needed greatly so that's the that's probably the most interesting part of it to me outside of the whole was it nimbies what's the opposite of that yimby Yes, in my back. Oh, 10 Yay. points. Let's go. <laughs> Wakanda forever. We did it. So one thing in terms of like what is preventing these developers from actually like putting put together these projects um, is that they definitely want to um, kind of skirt the sequel laws. So a lot of the Environmental um, Quality Act laws that California has put into place because oh. you do have to survey the land. You need to make sure it's not impacting any ecosystems in that area. And typically, if they're trying to fast track these projects, they'll have to like basically not, um, you know, um, heed to the that particular act. So that Ooh. is causing a lot of contention and a lot shooting. of um, challenges for um, for developers. And then also, I think that some of these developers also too want to ensure that they are getting a return on their investment. So when we look at like what does it look like to offer more um, rent control properties in California or in these states, they often do not support those types of um, policies. Not all, I'm not speaking for, for all, but, but I'm saying that if you think amount. about it, they're, it's working against their best interests, right? So Is it really though? Like if I build, if I, instead of building uh, a four story complex with 40 units, 
and I charge what I can go to like 2500 or some shit like that. And if you look at downtown, the vacancy rate, the, I checked, to, this is August, so that was early July, I looked at it, it was at like 62%. So it's like, you're losing a shit ton yeah. of money right now I mean, because I, it's so expensive. So if I can build now this 12-story place with, say, 1,000 units and it's rent control, like I, pretty, I have a higher chance or percentage of having a full occupancy rate. What is super dope, though, there are some developers who are actually like challenging that school of thought. Are and um, so they're basically are tearing down these buildings and residents who were originally living there um, that were under rent control. They're allowing them to, to return back to the building at the same rent rate that they were previously paying, which is super dope. That yeah, right. That's really and then they're able amazing. to kind of sell the rest of the units at market price. So there are again, I'm not speaking for all developers, yeah. but there there are some like that have a certain school of thought. I think that's really um, cool. And then there's others who are challenging that school of thought and just like, you know what, we need to make sure that we're offering more units to the market. And they're really trying to take the lead on that. So I think that's that is really, cool. really cool. Yeah. Yeah, my whole philosophy is how do you make it profitable to build affordable housing? Yeah. If it's not profitable, you're always going to have real estate developers trying to work in their best interest to, to Chelsea's point, skirting the law, whether it's an environmental regulation, a random rent control violation, whatever it is, they're going to find a way around it. So how do I take that self-interest? and guide it towards what is the common good. Let Trump do supply. it. Bring the government in. <laughs> Let's do this. Hey, look, it. he told me he was going to give everybody Medicare, and it was going to be, like, fucking amazing. Like, your health care was going to be great. So, I mean, shit. He's, if it's amazing, he know how to, he knows, right? Wait, hold on. This might be perfect. Now my idea is getting some ground. He builds hotels. <laughs> Come on now. He's a real estate developer. Let's get it. And, like, is he is the good old America's building it. So if we let him do what he do, and he's supposed to be the best at this and make the best buildings, I'm with it. If it's going to be affordable, it's not going to be crazy, just stupid, like, I'm okay. I Fuck it. I'll take it. Like, what's wrong with that? Well, I think I'm more practical solution i kind of come on i get now. a little worried whenever we mention trump and solving something um <laughs> but you know my approach here also is not only is this a supply problem but it's the fact that housing and cars are so tightly connected so one of the easiest ways to increase the price per unit in an apartment is if you have to build underground parking or any form of parking yeah so if you look at it so much for that purely from a numeric standpoint uh underground parking per parking spot Ranges between, oh, it's been a while since I looked at this. It's probably higher than it, than it was when I was dealing with this stuff. Spreadsheet but Joe in, in probably has a spreadsheet uh -huh. of this right now. Very funny, very <laughs> funny. No spreadsheet for this, hence why I'm, I'm spacing on the number. But in D.C., when I was like really involved in local stuff, um, underground parking could cost 30 to 50 grand per parking spot, uh, if not higher than that. Wait, wait, wait. You said 30 to 50 grand? Like, actually, but think about it. You have to excavate property. You have to hire a bunch of folks to Holy take the dirt out of the big hole that you're digging. It's underground parking. Um, and if you're trying to buy more land to have an actual parking lot literally next to your building, like, imagine trying to do that in L.A. Um, oh, my God. Like, you that's even that's insanely expensive. So when you have to tie um, units to parking and provide one parking spot per unit or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a complete asshole. I live in an apartment where I have two parking spots. 
And I see you the I, problem right there. And I only use the one. Problem. I only you use guilty. one. We so the other one, the other one sits unused the entire time, and I feel terrible. But in my defense, I'm you in the put, valley. Like, you put I'm in the valley. Tupperware so. in there <laughs> in that parking spot. So I feel horrible, and I know that greatly increases the cost of that unit. But I also live in the valley where parking is really easy. But think about parking in downtown LA or in any urban area that's very if dense. You two parking spots in downtown LA, like that's insane. You're a drug dealer. Um, so one of the issues I ran into in DC a lot with like local developments was when a developer tried to build lower cost units without any parking. So then they didn't have to pay for underground parking. They didn't have to provide a paved lot next to their units. That saves them a ton of money. And then they don't actually have to pass that cost on Wait, to their like tenants. A paved lot? So they just like left some dirt there and just well, put some cones but the, no, there was no parking. Like it was just oh, okay, a, gotcha, gotcha, it was gotcha. a tower that was just like, look, like if you live here, you're going to have to like use multimodal transportation, bike shares, zip gotcha. car, whatever. Um, and we'll pass off the savings to you. And it meant a lot of like resistance from the local community because NIMBYs were like, well, of course everyone has a car yeah. and they're going to bring their cars and they're going to take our public parking spots and ruin the quality of life in this neighborhood. Um, so the developer had to push back and forth just to get this thing built because they were trying to do the right thing and not uh, include parking, keep costs lower, and attract millennials who are less likely to own a car. Like, we're one of the first generations to kind of reject the notion that car ownership is a key part of being, like, American or whatever, right? Um, I like can't people, believe y'all. People, um, people don't um, – we, we don't view it as much as other generations have as a part of, like, being a grown-up or, or, you know, becoming yeah. an adult. And okay, that. then what about – okay, what do you think if you massively improve public transportation, do you think that would aid – because there's less cars, cool, great for the environment. I'm all for that. And then now just taking that thought with not having to make parking be a part of it. No, I think it will like improve or it can make a very a massive impact on housing in any condensed city, right? Yeah. One, you're creating more of like a more walkable um, city, which is great. You're reducing the um, unused land for parking and, and be able to like retrofit that into something that's more useful, maybe like a park or whatever. Two, I think that res um, residents of the city are able to kind of venture out in, in other parts of the city. So they're not congregating yeah. in one particular location. That's they can like come that. from afar into the city um, through a more um, reliable transportation, um, public transportation um, service. So I think it's a great idea. And I think it should be a part of the multifaceted approach. Well, on top of that, like, Cam, think about it. Like, your Volvo, right, when we pulled out all your stuff to, to do the podcast. Like, it's been sitting in that parking lot for, what, if you got in the office at, you like, You got, nine, like, at least nine, ten hours. Yeah, you're like going to drive yeah. home, maybe spend an hour tops commuting home if and traffic is bad. There. It's going to sit there overnight. So a car over its lifetime of ownership, let's say eight years of ownership for a car, it spends at least maybe 90 to 95% of that entire lifetime Not parked. Not being used. Yeah. not being used and it's a massive drain on resources and and in the future if you combine this with the fact that car automation is becoming more and more of a thing and millennials are buying cars less it's a massive opening to rethink the way we structure housing and restructure cities and we should take advantage of it and we're also thinking about the the um the share the mobile share market I'm, i totally fucked that up 
um, like oh, Uber, like Uber Lyft, Lyft, right? That's yeah, also in the market as well, which is great. Card ride share. There you go. But to be honest, though, if I have to speak for my own interest, like I am an Angelino, I am very much tied to my car. So that's gonna be a hard one for me to let go, personally. <laughs> However, if the city definitely like tries to um, improve the entire experience of trans, you know, using public transportation, I'm all for it. If you gave me the ability to just like, cool, I'm getting off work or whatnot, and I can either ride, car share, ride share, hello, like, oh, cool, live, Uber, whichever one, come pick me up. Or that I know that there's a reliable expo line or bus route like I, I'm all for that I'm cool I only have use my car because I love having the ability like I want to leave and it's like <laughs> cool I'm out like I'm, I can leave then but if you gave me that option to be like I know I can just walk outside and be like okay there's a way for me to get home without waiting 45 minutes for the next bus or however long for the next train that would drastically change how I just like approach 100%. everything. A hundred percent. We need a bullet train. We need Elon Musk to make that happen. No, nah, I want Elon to do it. Why? I, I mean, Elon, we're not, <laughs> we're not having the best relationship right now. Elon on bullshit. Elon what? is bullshitting so hard. He sent a car to, in space. How can you say he's on some bullshit? I mean, cool, neat. <laughs> <laughs> like, you sent a car. This is my thing. People keep wanting to go to motherfucking Mars and Jupiter and the moon. When I'm like, yo, you know this thing called Earth that we live on? We're fucking it up. How come we're not like exploring the ocean more or figuring out how to take all those brilliant minds that are some shooting some shit up in space and solve some of these issues like housing or whatnot? No, 100%. It's just way too much brain power being used on something that I'm like, I'm not gonna see this shit in my lifetime. Sometimes it takes a radical, um, a radical act in I'm order for it. folks who are local to open their mind to other possibilities. Maybe they're just red tape these can currently facing, but space is un, it's like an uncharted territory. Hell and he's no. able to show the, his brilliance by, you know. You can show your brilliance by taking your company and go like, <laughs> you know what? Fuck it, we about to build some dope ass houses or whatnot. Oh my or, God. The dude already built the goddamn school. Like, there's a school on, what's that, SpaceX lot? Like, their headquarters is like a school for the student, for the, like, employees' kids or whatnot. Oh, that's And, pretty like, dope. his children go there and all. Like, there's a really, really amazing, uh, was it Ars Technica? They do a really good uh, article on there. I believe that's the website that do it. But I just hate how so many things that are still so dependent on someone just kind of going, like, fuck it, like, let me just do some wild shit. But it's like, I'm all for that. NASA, stop fucking up NASA and like killing their funding and whatnot. Let them be the ones that do all the moonshot stuff or whatnot. Like, why are we privatizing space? And then the government's gonna be like, oh shit, we just gave up like the key to probably the next however many generations the keys right now. And that we sounds have, like, like another nothing. episode. We have to definitely yeah. dig into so that. So I'm like, but stop all that and just go, let's put this energy into solving the issues that are like directly affecting people. Because there's the report that I think in the next like 20 years, like almost half of the country's like population will live in coastal cities. So like that's pretty crazy to think that you half got, of this country's population yeah, will like, live on coastal cities. Yeah, like that's Goodness. insane. When you think states, there's what like 40 million people in California, and you're gonna get more. Like uh, 
cool Mars. That's neat. That's awesome. No, I agree. I'm gonna need y'all to just come over in here where you're fucking headquartered and be like, let's figure out well, this. I hear you, but go ahead, Joe. Oh, I was just gonna say to Chelsea's original point about this being a holistic issue, right? Like housing is the center of all these different problems that we're talking about: environmental, mm-hmm. the fiscal health of our generation. Um, you know how we get from point A to point B. It all comes down to housing. And in my mind, if you fix housing, you're also having a massive impact on the environment. Like living in a city, living in a walkable city, reducing car use, these Mm -hmm. all have an amplifier effect. Not only do you save money that you can invest in and create that future for yourself as a millennial, uh, but you're also doing your part to cut down on your carbon emissions. And not to sound like some tree hugger or something. I'm not a tree hugger. (laughs) But less is more for our generation. It has to be. and you look back at like previous generations, even like an Elon Musk, um, who is technically in a different de- generation, of course, than us, um, they're not used to this concept of living in a smaller apartment. Like when my folks came to visit, and came yeah. to meet him, it was hilarious. It was a great conversation. That was a good, that food, yeah, we have man. to unpack that one more. Um, but you know, they come from India. We're not unpacking shit because we don't have luggage. We're gonna talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Fair enough. This guy. Um, but, you know, when they came to visit and they saw my apartment, I have like a one bedroom, 600 square feet. Uh, Cam and I were joking, you know, you've made it as a millennial when you can get like a one bedroom. Like that's, yeah, that's the millennial dream right now for me was being able to afford a teeny one bedroom. Like, oh, my God, I have a wall. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's where I'm. Yes. Right. It felt so good because I've been in studios and I've, I've you know, split. Uh, two bedrooms and one bedrooms with folks, but it was like, wow, I have my own wall. <laughs> Look at me, you know? Um, <laughs> See, like, that's crazy. That's insane, right? And to my folks, like, they come in and they're like, oh, this is not, like, they, they like my apartment, but they were, you know, you could tell they're like, oh, my God, this is so small. Um, because in Indiana, you know, they've got a two-story house, two acres of land. Log cabin. Um, the mortgage is like, like $400 less than my rent per month, which that is That shit just is absurd. evil, man. Uh, but they're also in, you know, a rural community. There's not a lot, anything within walking distance. Walmart is like a landmark. Wally World. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's costs associated with that decision. But the point being, like, when I want to cool my apartment, it barely costs me anything because I'm only doing 600 square feet. Whereas for my folks, if they want to cool that house, it costs a lot of money. So you can, like, take some ice cubes and put a fan in front of it, and then you're cool. <laughs> oh, that's true. I could totally do that. Um, so there's all these little things that make, like, that less is work? more for me. <laughs> I mean, I, look, I ain't go front. Not I've definitely done it before. Right. <laughs> but I was really close to the fan, and, like, the way I positioned the, the ice in the little bucket, it kind of, it like, I think it was more placebo effect. But it, it made me feel okay. good at the time. I'm actually going to try that. I'm curious now. Yeah, but my point being, like, for my folks, they're never going to adjust to that style of living. But with our generation, there's an opportunity to kind of reset elements of the American dream to be more realistic. Yeah, I'm for that. Efficient. I'm so for that. Um, and not set up people for financial failure. Because if you ask me, like, the American dream screwed over a lot of folks in 08. Um, Shit, and set 08. up people to fail. Um, 08. I can go way like 1960, 70, 80, 90. 
you know, the, I mean, the, the housing bubble and the fact that mortgages were essentially um, fucking turned man. into something that was too easy to get. And they were banks, weaponized. Bank, exactly. Banks went after poor people who shouldn't have owned homes, mm-hmm. set them up on these mortgages, and they were doomed to fail the moment anything went wrong. So when the recession came in 07 and the effects were felt in 08, and, Kaboom. And it, was, it was a horrible experience for so many Americans. Um, I don't think home ownership should be considered the standard for everyone. It, it, it's, it's dumb because it's just not. I, uh, there's, was it, nerdwallet.com? They had this cool, they have this cool calculator that lets you put on this criteria and it will tell you if you should rent or buy. And that's the thing to me because my mom and I, we were talking for a little bit and she's like, V, you need to like start looking at the home ownership. I'm like, oh, hell no. Like, <laughs> whoa, hold on now. Like, I get it. And, we start talking more and more and more, and then that's when I like it hit me like, oh wait, we see this so completely different. Like you now you understand that to be like equity and well, and I'm all for owning some land. Like I'm down for that. I want to own all the fucking land I can because no more is being made, and so I want to be in that game when a developer is like, oh, I want th- let me get this piece of land. I'm like, ha ha, you got to deal with me now, but. It still comes down to like what works best for you. And that's the thing that I would love to help be a part of changing the conversation being as opposed to home ownership going like, oh, no, no, like building wealth. Like yes. most people don't like, no, let me just put a hundred bucks a month in a fucking Vanguard mutual fund. And by the time from like 18 to whatever age or whatnot, I probably will have a nice chunk of money just sitting there. Even if there is a recession or anything, it's just statistically proven to just work out. So I think with the housing, the housing crisis to me is becoming this really interesting inflection point in what the bigger conversation of what the like country is built on and kind of like how we're going to orient for future generations because they don't you don't get taught most of this stuff so how are you going to expect someone to like actually understand this is the way i should do something and for a lot of the folks in previous generations i hold a deep amount of empathy for it because they were only told one way like everything was school then go to college you get married you buy a house you build a family when it's like, what if someone just does not want to do that? They're like ostracized or whatnot. So I think that's something that the housing crisis, to me, is making come up more and more and more. Just the folks in our generation is the first to really deal with it and deal with most of these issues to where it's like, oh, wait, no, I don't want that for me. If I want to rent for the rest of my life, I can just rent. And the money I save on property taxes and repairs and maintenance and whatnot, I can take that and invest it if I want to, or I can bullshit it off if I want to. And that's what I'm starting to realize more and more and more from the the older generations is just that there's like this, I think the divide between the older generations and our generation and the generations after us is much larger than previously than other ones. And I think mostly because of the internet and technology. 
Yeah, I, I think that, I think for me, I think what we're saying here is that like, we understand that housing is a fundamental right for us to kind of have a roof over our heads and have a decent quality of life um, and ha be able to have discretionary income so we can enjoy the best of life, right? Um, we are now, today in our civilization, we have technology and we're able to have, um, enjoy convenience, enjoy immediacy, and should be able to enjoy our lives that much more. But we're finding that as millennials, um, as, as the, um, um, recipients of technology, it's, it's not quite that for a lot of millennials in our generation. Um, yeah. Which is why I kind of go back to bringing up Elon Musk and like the bullet train, right? Like, um, I think that it's really emblematic of like this individual who understands that, um, sees what the future is for our generation and is willing to try radical things, shake things up in order to kind of change the status quo because it's just not working and it's not working for everyone. And so, um, I mean, I was saying if, you know, I was being sarcastic, but like the fact that he was able to send a car into space just shows people like what is possible oh, and yeah, allow me to, like you know, um, <laughs> simply just create a bullet train in our communities and make it um, be able to um, make the, the, the commute or travel that much more shorter for us to be more connected, for us to have it, to experience the convenience, for us to, I mean, a whole bunch of possibilities open up when you just step outside the box and we change the status quo. Oh, Demo so like, Joe knows about boxes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like, that's what I think we're all saying here, right? Like we all understand that like, you know, housing unlocks other opportunities. And if it's the fact that it's being hindered for our generation is kind of scary. Like, we don't know how that's going to impact oh, it's us like legit uh, decades from now. To where you have to, like, figure out the right month to look for an apartment. Because <laughs> you're like, yo, like, all right, holiday time, people might not be looking. So let me start looking for one then. And then maybe, like, a landlord would be more open to it. Or even just thinking about kind of like what you were saying, just using Elon Musk as an example. I'm all for a bullet train. Hyperloop, I'm like, yo, that shit gonna take forever. And then it makes me think of what you are saying, Joe, about zoning. Like, the amount, we've been, in California, they've been talking about a bullet train for at least 20 years that I can think of. Like, and I'm like, god damn, like, have we broken ground on, like, any piece of this at all? And it just made me think, like you were saying, like, zoning, and then I'm, I'm, definitely for looking at the environment and seeing how it would impact others but if you give me a train that will get me to san francisco in 45 minutes i'm like you just opened up a huge just pool of opportunity and access for people because that's something they, they normally wouldn't have so now you don't have to pay these fucking insanely high san francisco rent prices and you can live in some stupid place or like wherever you want to go like i'm all for that that's why i think public transportation will be a huge just like door opener for a lot of this stuff well yeah it's it's so tough to fund i mean right now you look at say the new york city infrastructure oh, uh, their metro system is, is falling apart uh, in dc it used to be a great example of a well-funded well-oiled machine uh, i used to take it every day when i lived in dc and i'd get on that train and was always shocked how well run it was but right when i was about to leave the city that's when things started to crumble they hadn't made real infrastructure upgrades for 
for decades in some cases. See, I think we just figured out why you demo Joe. (laughs) You leave D.C. and then the damn subway and public transportation comes (laughs) to shit. That must be it. I had good timing. I had good timing. But um, the problem with public infrastructure, right, or public uh, public transportation infrastructure is it, it looks like such a huge cost, right? When you're talking about paving a road or anything like that, it's never that much of a cost initially. The costs are spread out yeah. over years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's never focused in one place. But if you want to build a new metro line or even a new metro stop here in L.A., you have to Ooh, dig Lord. underground. You have to actually create the tunnel. You need to then layer it with cement. And you Earthquake need to stuff you got to deal There's with. There's all kinds yeah. of stuff that you have to deal with to get something done. And it requires all kinds of permitting, all kinds of zoning, and it costs millions of dollars. And you got to do all these public hearings, and all these people can line up and cripple the process at any point in time. Whereas building a new road or paving a road or investing in, in upgrading a highway, uh, no one really stops that. It's yeah. easier to do. And uh, the federal government also happens to give quite a few incentives. Um, a great example is the highway system is heavily mm-hmm. invested in from the federal government. Uh, so you've got this huge pot of money that's already earmarked for every state to be spent on roads, and it probably dwarfs public uh, public transportation. And we still got potholes every fucking <laughs> way here. But one other thing to, to note about, uh, just going back into to housing in general, um, that concerns me the most is housing is was built for like buying a home, kind of going through that... Um, assembly line story Cam was telling before you grow up, you go to school, you get a job, you get a house, you get married, kids, et cetera, et cetera. That system works great when, like, my dad's been at U.S. Steel for 20-plus years. He's going to work there. Shout out to retire. Papa Joe. Like, one job, one retirement. We're going to probably have to relearn our skills. We're going to start in tech. We're going to learn things here, and then we're going to have to jump to something else. Well, what the fuck you mean? I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> like. Well, for us, we also have to worry about automation. Um, so a lot of millennials are going to have to change their careers in the next 10 to 20 years because a lot of jobs will be automated. So that'll make owning a home even harder because you might have to learn an entire new skill set, move to an entire new city. Buying one place and staying there for 30 years just doesn't cut it in the 21st century. Um, Joe, we got podcasts. We rich. <laughs> like, come on now. We're, the other we're problem, done. One more final nail in the coffin for owning a home and living in one place for forever is also climate change. I mean, I feel really sorry for folks who have invested millions of dollars yes. in like beautiful oceanfront property Florida? in Miami. Ooh. Miami's already struggling to keep the water back. Uh, can you imagine how difficult that problem is going to be in, in 20 to 30 years, if not shorter? Um, so there's a whole variety of things that are going to push people in a direction of having to move multiple times in their life, having to restructure the way they make a living, and having to change their, their entire habits based on, on the climate and what city they live in. Mm. I can't say the millennials, out of any other generation, are, are the most adaptable. Right, like imagine, I, would, like, I completely these, agree. <laughs> yes, I completely all these agree. That have occurred just in my lifetime, I and mean, I'm not even that. Because one minute know, we use a Snapchat, know. and then now we on Instagram stories. <laughs> so like, you, there ain't no beat. Like, come on now, throw it at me, throw it. At, like people, are, oh y'all so whiny and weak. I'm like, fool, you know I had to change what app I post on, like. Get you at me. Their operating system. Yeah, like that. the UI is different now. Snapchat <laughs> fucked it up. Like these are real life changes that people dealing with. Exactly. Give us our due props. If nothing else, when folks listen to this podcast, they need to know that millennials are 
We're adaptable. Adaptable, man. Like Catwoman. Give us our credit. And Hathaway said, in the Dark Knight Rises, I'm adaptable. Gotcha. Y'all didn't know that. Movie facts. What? what? Lisa? She said that. I can't confirm nor deny. I'm confused. I, I know she said it because I watched those movies once a month, the oh, whole trilogy. Okay, what y'all got finally for all the muggles out here with this housing issues? Okay, what, this is the final question. What would be the first thing you would do if you can control it? What would be the first thing you can do to impact housing? Oh, for me, it's, it's adjusting the zoning code to make it more um, profitable to build affordable housing. A real estate developer could only make a return if they build a luxury apartment building in some parts of the country. True. Um, so how do I change the code to just let people's self-interest guide them in the best direction of what needs to be done? I'm not going to fight greed. I'm going to leverage it to get more homes built that are more Because greed is good. Gordon greed is Gecko. great. Visible hand, Adam Smith. So Even though the whole market <laughs> thing ain't that true, but yeah. Oh, that's a whole other topic. What you got, vitamin C? Man, um, I have... So one thing I wanted to mention was um, there is a bill that's being that's being considered um, at the federal level, and basically it's allowing renters to write off their their rent income. Oh, what? Right, so it's like a tax write off. For what is the name of this fucking bill? Because I'm gonna support the shit it's out like of it. Those type of creative bills are are being considered is what I think we need most, right? So it's in addition to um, pr providing more houses on the market, in addition to rethinking the public transportation for a city to make it more walkable, but like it's all about passing really smart policy to kind of help folks um, immediacy now. So I think I'm oh, you just blew my yeah, damn blew my mind. mind. <laughs> a ton of money back for buying a home, but you don't get shit for rent. I'm exactly. like, wait a minute, I got a house now. I'm about to get it's just creative <laughs> solutions, you know, just creative solutions Man, like that. all I want oh. is a loft. That's all you I need want. Need to figure out who's supporting that bill. What's oh the, yeah, we about to start doing the ads. Actually, the oh. one who presented it. Um, in the Senate, so man, Kamala, Kamala, however you want me to pronounce it, <laughs> I got your back on this one. Like, I don't be giving for, I only vote like really, I ain't, go, I ain't gonna lie, I only vote for minorities. So, oh, that's pretty much that. But, um, I shit, I got your back. You throw one of these out, you give me a hey, you can be, you can write this rent off. I am so, I don't give a damn what you stand for after that. Like, we can figure it out, we can have a conversation. But that one, shit. You wouldn't vote for me, Cam? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> if that is not on your, your platform, it's a wrap. Oh, like, no, the minority point. So if it was. Oh, no, but if you gave me that, that's what I said. If you oh, gave yeah, me no, that, no, if you put that on the platform, if you led with, like, you know what? I'm going to let you write off your rent. I'm like, you know, this is a great person right here. <laughs> this is a great man. Like, he's going to do things for America, and we might want to all look at it very, very closely. Uh, I honestly have no clue what I would do. But the first thing I would think about is figuring, I would probably attempt to... I don't want to say like open source, but collect as much data from homeowners to see their biggest reason for stopping a lot of the developments that happen and why. Like attempting to like find that correlating and that theme, that like common thread. And then from there, I think that's the best thing because I feel like we have like a weird data problem. It's not that we don't have enough data. I just don't think we know how to interpret the data and just read it and, and make it an actionable thing 
So that's what I would do. I think data, because I like data. Data, 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 data. Uh, data, tax credits, more housing supply. These are really solid solutions. I, I think that. I've already told people if they just let me be president, we'll be good. But <laughs> I'll vote for you. I got five. I got five more years before I, I can run. Vote for you, Cam. I'm sorry. Nah, you wouldn't vote Cam. You can't vote for Cam. You gotta vote for V, baby. No. President V, when he well, get v in there. sounds terrifying. Isn't he your bad son? No, Lord V is the. That's who you gotta watch out for. Oh. See, Lord V would come out when like it's oh, time to go. That's kind of deceiving. You, your bad side and your good side sound the same. No, they don't. It's a whole other name in front of the bad side. Lord V, and then the good side is V, and then Lord V not necessarily bad. He's <laughs> wild. Like, you know how Trump be like, Rocket Man, my button's bigger than your button, and it works. Like, mine would be more like, press the motherfucking button, y'all. Like, turn the key, we go show him that we really mean business. Ooh, oh, I don't know if I want this game. <laughs> yeah, this piece sounds... Uh, I'm just saying, that that's the thing. <laughs> he only will come out, by then I'll have, I'll have him more in check. And then I have people around me that'll like keep me like, yo, we can't really just be bombing motherfuckers like that. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, all right, cool. And then all people really gotta do is just bring my mama around and be like, oh shit. Like, all right. Yeah, Lord, if you don't hear me put in check. Yeah, Lord, if you don't come out with mama around, he like, yo, <laughs> that one ass whipping was enough. Like, we good. <laughs> but uh, thank you, Chelsea. Thank you for being a guest. And Asmar, acapella Asmar. I'm so glad I know that you do that or you did that. He came down and sat down with us and drank a beer. Maybe he should sign off. Yes, yes. We go. <laughs> we doing the wage one. We go do that. We go make that happen next. Oh my God, we could do that because when do you leave, Asmar? You leave next week? Yeah. Oh, we can do it next week. Yeah, we're going to make that happen. Y'all go get Acapella Asmar all up in your face. We just hit y'all with a Marvel at the end of the credits motherfucking scene in your face. Okay, dear muggles. It's coming. Okay, Muggles, I appreciate y'all listening. Y'all heard Demo Joe talk, and then Indiana Joe came out. We didn't, oh, we heard little GOP Joe. He was like, greed is good. <laughs> greed is good, everybody. Oh, Gordon Gecko, let the market win, baby. <laughs> let democracy and freedom reign. And then y'all got to hear the lovely Chelsea Young Vitamin C Vitamins. And then I'm, y'all know me, I just be saying shit. One of these days, I'm figuring my life out, y'all. But y'all gotta help me do it. So until that point, remember, it's a cold world, and you might not have a blanket. And if you need a blanket, I might have one for you. You can buy it for the price of $1 million. Dr. Evil Voice. All right, y'all, take care. I love some of y'all.